Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Pastor Corey and Numa Church, so great to be with you wherever you're watching around the world online, whether you are at home on the couch right now, whether you're sitting at the kitchen table, whether you're driving someplace, I am so glad that you have tuned in because I know that God has something good for you today. If you come to the Word of God today with an expectation in your heart, there's something I know about our God and that is that He will meet you at your point of need. He's a good, good God. And so if you come today looking for answers, you're gonna get answers. You're gonna get keys to living your life at a whole new level. So as Pastor Corey mentioned, I wanna encourage you right now, grab a Bible, get something to take notes in and let's believe today for revelation and inspiration and supernatural help. Amen. Don't you think we could just do with some supernatural help today? You know, just last week, there was a knock at my front door. And when I opened the door, there was a guy there from DHL and he was holding onto a great big dog on a leash. And he looked at me and he said, "Uh, Mr. Newbold? I'm like, yes. He said, I've got a delivery for you. I need you to sign for it. What, the dog? Yeah, that's right, sign here. And he gave me one of those little electronic things. I had to sign my name. So I signed, he handed over the leash And he was walking away, getting into the van and he turned around and he said, oh, I almost forgot to tell you, his name is Cujo. And from that day forward, Cujo moved in. Within 20 minutes, it was very obvious to me that Cujo was not an obedient dog. He clawed at all my furniture. He got in and messed up my very best shoes. He ran around barking incessantly. He even claimed my bed as his very own. Well, I figured maybe Cujo is just hungry. If I could feed Cujo, give him a good meal, maybe he would settle down. So I fed him and I fed him some more. But all that did was gave him more energy to run around the house breaking things. I'm telling you, friend, since Cujo moved into my house, things have gone from bad to worse. He is costing me a fortune in dog food. The place is a mess. He has claimed our house as his own. Now, before you email me and give me dog training tips, I need to tell you something today. The truth of the matter is Cujo does not exist. There was no DHL guy standing knocking at my door and everything that I just told you was a story, but I don't want you to forget about Cujo. We're gonna return to him in a little while because he's gonna help us to understand a very important principle that I believe you need to get a hold of in just a few minutes. See, today, as Pastor Corey mentioned, I wanna give you a powerful, powerful truth that if you will grab a hold of it, if you will apply it to your life, I'm telling you, friend, it will not only protect you from the schemes of the enemy, it will restore to you your peace and your joy in this season. And I believe it will see you receiving everything that God in His goodness has blessed us with. Because today, I wanna share with you the most important thing that you could ever discover 
in order to keep fear from your life. That's what we're talking about today. What do I need to know and what do I need to do to keep fear and anxiety and dread from my life? I'm telling you, friend, God is moving powerfully in our world right now. There are millions of people that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in this season. And you and I have the opportunity, wherever God has placed us in this very unique season, wherever He's placed us, we have an opportunity to be the kind of faith-filled, joy-overflowing, courageous church of Jesus Christ that a hurting world so needs to see in this season. But I'm telling you, we are not going to be that kind of church if we don't learn how to deal with fear. So with that in mind, I want you to look with me at the book of Numbers. We're going to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Let me set the scene for you. In Numbers chapter 13, the Israelites are at the edge of the promised land. Moses has sent 12 spies into the land to go check it out. And they return, the Bible says, laden down with grapes of enormous size and pomegranates and figs. And all of the people are keen to hear the report from the 12 spies. And so Moses assembles the people. And in Numbers 13 and 27, the spies begin their report. Have a listen to it. They say, we went to the land that you sent us and it truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. But then some begin to express their concerns about what they had seen and they say, you know, here's all the fruit, but nevertheless, the people who dwell in this land are strong. Their cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And immediately the whispering starts amongst the people. Did, did he just say the descendants of Anak? I mean, they're supposed to be huge. Well, didn't he just mention something about big fortifications and walled cities? That's not good. And Caleb, he begins to see what is happening amongst the crowd. And so he steps in at this moment and he silences the people and he tries to get them back on track by saying, hey, hey, hey. Let's go at once and take possession of the land for we are well able to do it. Now, Caleb knew that they were well able to take the land and so did all the people because God had promised them over and over again that He would go before them, that He would fight the battle for them and that they would be victorious. Everybody knew that. It was no secret. And so Caleb here is saying, hey, let's stop wasting time. We know the promise. We've seen God's faithfulness again and again and again. We cannot fail. And what happened? Did the people listen to Caleb and say, Caleb, you're right. What were we thinking? We've got nothing to be worried about. No, they didn't. Friend, something happened here in that moment to a few million people gathered there that had nothing at all to do with intellect or logic or rational thought at all. What happened was that the people of God in that moment became gripped by a spirit of fear. 
Look at it with me. Numbers 14 verse 1 says, All the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let us select ourselves a leader and return to Egypt. Can you see how irrational this is? They are panicking. They're just running around saying and doing crazy things. And so Joshua and Caleb, they try again. And they're like, listen, listen, we saw the land. We spied it out for ourselves. It's a great land. And God has promised to give us this land. And in verse 9, Joshua clearly identifies what's happening. He says, don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Only do not fear them. And how did the people respond to this? Did they say, yeah, you're right. What what were we thinking? Sorry about that. No, no, no. The Bible says, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. I want you to think about that. Here are the people saying, our response to this is we should kill two of our greatest leaders and return to Egypt where our ancestors have been slaves for the past 400 years. Can you see today how irrational that is? Can, Can you see how out of the ordinary that is? What is that? Friend, that right there is the spirit of fear at work. That's the spirit of fear. Now, many of you would know 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. It gets quoted a lot and it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that's a great promise. But too often we skip to the promise at the end of that verse and we don't take notice of what the Apostle Paul tells us at the start. Because right here, he gives us two powerful revelations about the nature and the origin of fear. Because Paul says, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Actually, the best translation of this verse is fearfulness. So we could read it like this. For God did not give us a spirit of fearfulness. But the spirit that he gave to us is a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. And so here are two vital things that you need to know today about fear. And I want to encourage you to write them down. You may need to come back to them in this season. Number one, fear is a spirit. Very important. We understand that fear is a spirit. And number two, that spirit is not from God. Friend, I want you to know today, fear is a whole lot more than an emotion. It's more than a feeling or a reaction to a bad situation. If you've ever been in a circumstance yourself where you've been overcome, 
when you've been overwhelmed by fear or anxiety or you've succumbed to a panic attack, you would know that fear is not a rational thing. It's not a reasonable thing. Regardless of how intelligent you are, fear can turn a normal person into an impulsive person, an irrational person, a person who does all kinds of unwise things. You know, I'm sure that the people who bought toilet paper rolls on eBay for hundreds of dollars deeply regretted that a week or two later when they saw people coming and going from the supermarkets carrying toilet paper and they'd paid $10 for 20 rolls. That's irrational. I wonder how many things that you've done in your life, you look back on it, you say, it was a fearful time and I did some things, I said some things that were just Crazy, what on earth was I doing? I can't believe that I did that. What was I thinking? Hey, can I tell you something today? The truth is, in that moment, you weren't thinking. That's the reality. You weren't thinking in that moment. What you were doing is yielding to fear. In that moment, you yielded to the spirit of fear. You know, I've been preaching the Word of God now for 30 years. I've been in full-time ministry for 22 years, but just three years ago, on a ministry trip, God spoke to me very clearly and He said, I want you to teach my people how to strengthen their faith and how to win the battle with fear because too many of them are in bondage to fear right now and they don't need to be. So I spent the next 12 months studying the Scriptures and learning all that the Bible says about strengthening your faith and finding out how do I defeat fear and anxiety and worry. And as a result, as Pastor Corey mentioned, I wrote my first book called Fearless, Freedom from Fear in an Anxious World. I wrote that book as a practical tool for anyone who wants to learn, how do I win the battle against fear? But as I was researching it, it became abundantly clear from the Word of God that fear is so much more than an emotion, a thought, a feeling. No, no, fear, according to the Bible, is a spirit. And it's not a spirit that comes from God. It's, it's a spirit that will actually stop you from receiving all of those things that God promises us there in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Power, love and a sound mind. Friend, the reason why we've seen so many people, Christians included in this season, saying and doing all kinds of illogical, panicked and fear-driven things is because they have been trained for years and years and years by watching the way friends react, by listening to the messages in the media, by watching people that they respect and watching them react fearfully to circumstances and situations. They have been trained to yield to fear. But do you know the good news? The good news, friend, is that you can be retrained. However you've been trained in the past, the good news is that you can be retrained so that you don't yield to fear in a difficult circumstance, but instead you can be trained to yield to a very different spirit. It's the spirit that Paul identifies in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13, where he says, we have, talking about believers, he says, we have the same spirit of faith. 
Not a spirit of fear. He says, no, no, the spirit we have is the spirit of faith. I want you to know something today, friend. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but God has given you a spirit of faith. And you need that more in this season than you know. How does a spirit of faith respond in a season like this? I'll tell you, faith calls those things that are not as though they were. Amen? Faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He's talking there about refusing to live the way that everyone else is living according to what they can see and what they hear in the news and how they feel. He says, no, no, don't live that way. You live according to faith. You live according to what you believe. You live according to what God says about you. To walk in faith, a spirit of faith. And here's the best part. As I said, you can train yourself to yield to the spirit of faith. Regardless of what's going on in your life, challenges, circumstances, you can immediately respond in a spirit of faith rather than immediately responding in fear. So when something happens, when something goes down, your immediate response is not to freak out, but your immediate response is to trust God, is to declare His Word, and is to expect a miracle. That's faith. That's the spirit of faith. And it's a faith, friend, that makes you so strong on the inside. I'm telling you, you couldn't doubt or fear or be anxious with the spirit of faith in there, even if you wanted to. You couldn't. It it makes you strong on the inside. It fortifies you. But I want you to understand, that is not the spirit that the Israelites were yielding to in Numbers chapter 14. The Bible says, having heard about the giants in the land, what they did is they got in their tents and they cried all night long. If you'd have walked that night through the camp, it would have felt so eerie. It would have felt so strange because fear was everywhere. Fear was in every tent. It was on every heart, every mind. The spirit of fear was everywhere. Why? Because in that moment, the enemy, the devil, was working overtime. He was working in this season. This was his big attack to try and cause an entire nation to miss the plans of God for them. And what was his secret weapon? Fear. The spirit of fear. And I want to tell you, it is the same weapon that he uses today. He doesn't have any new tricks. He just uses those same old ones because he knows how effective they are. You would see that in the global climate right now. People are under the control of this thing called fear. But here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know today so that you don't fall for his schemes. Friend, just because fear knocks at your door does not mean that you have to let it in. I want you to write that down. Just because fear comes knocking at your door does not mean that you have to let it in. The Israelites in this moment, they were freaking out because they'd allowed that 
evil report to unsettle their hearts and their minds. And as a result, they yielded to a spirit of fear. But in contrast to that, the Bible tells us, Numbers 14 verse 24, that Caleb had a different spirit. Think about it. What kind of spirit did Caleb have? Friend, I'm telling you, it was a spirit of faith. That's the kind of spirit that Caleb had. The people had gotten themselves full of a spirit of fear. But Caleb stayed full of the promises of God. He trusted in God absolutely in spite of what he could see. And he stayed full of a spirit of faith. The people, they were in their tents. They were crying. They were despairing. They were wailing all night. Meanwhile, Joshua and Caleb were like, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. God has given us His promise. He's good. His Word is true. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the spirit of faith. That is the spirit of faith. They believed God. They trusted in God. They held fast to His promises. In fact, they believed it so much, friend, that 40 years of wilderness wanderings couldn't get that out of him. At 80 years of age, Caleb was still saying, this is my mountain. He'd been saying that for 40 years. And he said, this is my mountain. I believed it then. I believe it now. Let's go take it. What is that? Friend, that's the spirit of faith. It is just so different to what you see so many places in our world today. But it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to grab a hold of the spirit of faith in this season, tell the enemy where to go and to stand up in all the promises of God. It's not a belief system. It's not about learning all the right phrases, friend. It's about trusting God completely in spite of what it looks like right now, in spite of how it feels right now, in spite of what all of the experts say. Friend, listen, what the devil doesn't want you to know about fear is that you don't have to let it in. You don't have to let it in. You don't ever, ever have to let it in. See, here's the thing. You can't control, and neither can I, what happens out there. Well, we can't control what happens out there in our world, but what we can control is what happens in here. We can control that. You can control what you allow into your heart and into your mind. And that ought to be very good news to you today, friend, because it means that no matter how hard he tries, the enemy cannot ever put fear, anxiety or dread into you. He cannot do that. He doesn't have the authority to do that. As a child of God, He can't just come and put fear in you. So if there is some fear in you right now, if it's gotten into you in this season and it's pushed out the joy, it's pushed out the peace, it's pushed out the confidence in God, what do we know? We know that in this season, we let it in. That's the truth. Now, let's not get under condemnation with that. We'll deal with it in a moment. But if there's fear in there right now, it's because we let it in. Remember the story of Cujo? Remember the DHL guy that came to my door? That guy came and he knocked and he knocked and then he rang the bell and he stood there and he knocked some more. Why? 
because he wanted me to open the door, sign for the package and invite that dog into my life. But here's the thing. I didn't have to answer the door. I could have let that guy knock Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He could have knocked every day of the week for all I care. Just because he knocks at your door, friend, does not mean you have to open the door and let him in. Friend, fear is the enemy of your faith. It is the last thing that you need in this season. So we're going to deal with it right now today. I believe that wherever you're watching this, you need to deal with this. We're going to get really practical and deal today with fear. When fearful thoughts come to you, just like that knock on the door, you should immediately think to yourself, oh no. I am not letting that in. No way. I refuse to let that into my life. I'm telling you, friend, it will come. It will come. But that doesn't mean that you have to welcome it in. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know is just because in certain circumstances you feel afraid, that does not mean that you have yielded to fear. Just because you have symptoms of fear, shortness of breath, the hairs standing up on your, the back of your neck and on your arms, you know, your heart starts beating quicker. They are just feelings and symptoms. That does not mean that you've thrown away your faith, that you're yielding to fear, not at all. The enemy will come and say, oh, see, you're afraid. No, 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 no. Feelings are feelings. Everybody is tempted to fear, but just because the enemy brings the thoughts doesn't mean that you have to accept them. So right now, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you've never done this before, but I encourage you to do it. Right now, I want you to open your mouth. I'm gonna say a phrase and I want you to declare it with some faith out of your mouth. And we're gonna deal with some things today. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. Just say this after me. Say, the devil cannot put fear in me. He cannot do it. He does not have the authority. I'm telling you, friend, if fear is in there right now, how did it get in there? It got in there because you let it in. You let it in. You yielded to it. It's exactly the same with faith. Think about it. No one can make you believe. If you've got faith in you right now, how did that faith get in you? It got in you because you yielded to it. You received it. That's how we get faith, but it's also how we get fear. So how do we keep fear and anxiety from our lives? Number one, if you're taking notes, we resist it. That is the first thing we do. If we want to keep fear from our lives, we firstly have to resist it. James chapter 4. James 4 and verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will, he must flee from you. So anytime you have feelings of fear, friend, don't you sit there and think to yourself, what am I going to do? You will never defeat fearful thoughts with faith-filled thoughts. You defeat fearful thoughts with faith-filled words. You've got to open your mouth in that moment and begin to speak to the thing that is coming against you. You open your mouth when those thoughts come and you say, no, fear, I resist you. Get out of here in Jesus' Name. I refuse 
to fear. I just get the sense somebody right now needs to say that. You, you need to get real bold and just say it. Say after me, say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to be anxious. Oh, but you're gonna lose everything in this season. No, I refuse to fear. Oh, but things are only gonna get worse. No, I refuse to fear. I am trusting in my God and I will not be afraid. What do we do with fear? We resist it. And the second thing that we do is we replace it. What we do is we get into the Word of God and we find those promises that God has for us and we replace those fearful thoughts, those anxious thoughts, those worrying thoughts. We roll them all over onto Him because He cares for us so much. And we say, God, remind me again of Your promises. Tell me again what it is that You promised me. Listen to one. I just want to give it to you. Isaiah 26 verse 3. It says, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I'm telling you, friend, we're going to resist the fear whenever it comes, and it will come, but we're going to resist it. We're not going to allow it inside anymore. We're going to be a people with the spirit of faith. We're going to resist it when it comes, and every time it tries, we're going to replace it with the promises of the Word of God. So here's what we're going to do. I want to finish today by making this really practical. I want to replace fear with faith in your life. I want you to get to the place where you declare out of your mouth the promises of God. And together, we're going to cast down fear. If in this season, you found yourself getting unduly afraid about circumstances, situations beyond your control, right now this stops. Right now, today, we're going to draw a line in the sand and say, no, I'm not yielding to that spirit anymore. I'm going to trust in my good God. He's good all of the time. He'll be good in this season and in the one to come. I can trust Him absolutely. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He will never let me down. He holds me in the palm of His hand. So come on, right now, just stir up your faith. And I'm going to say these lines and I want you, wherever you are, to repeat them after me. Say, fear has no dominion over me because the greater one lives in me. The Lord is on my side and I will not fear. Spirit of fear, I rebuke you today. I cast you out of my mind. I cast you off of my body. I will have no more fear. I stand on God's promise in Psalm 91. And I declare that no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come near me, my family or our dwelling place. The angels of the Lord, they surround me and they watch over my family. Thank you, Lord that I dwell in the shadow of your wings and that you protect me. I pray all this in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. You know, the truth is, friend, that in this season, there are people right around this world, mainly in the medical profession, who are paying, I don't have to tell you, such a huge price Right now, they're having sleepless nights. They're working incredible hours to treat sick people in this season. 
to care for them, to try and find a vaccine. And we thank God for them. I would encourage you to be praying for those in the medical profession daily. Pray for them. Pray for your leaders in this season. But make sure that you pray for those in the medical profession. Uphold them before the Lord. They're paying a very high price in this season. As I said, to find a cure, to help people that are sick. It's a huge price that they're paying. But you know, the Bible tells us that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth and He paid the ultimate price. He paid the ultimate price. He paid with His life. Why did He do that? He did that, friends, so that you could be in a right relationship with Him. He paid that price so that you could be free from the power of the enemy. He paid that price so that you could be released today from the bondage of fear and dread and anxiety. I'm telling you, friend, when you say yes to Him and the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence on the inside of you, the Bible says that He promises to give you a peace in your heart that surpasses understanding. It is beyond natural understanding. It's a peace that comes and floods your heart. And how many of you know, we need that kind of peace right now. You need that kind of peace. The Bible also says that a strength comes. It's a godly strength that enables you to face anything with courage and confidence in your good God. And you get an assurance that He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, He will never disappoint you. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.